careful planning. They require careful thought. They require a long time of work, a, long, a lot of setup. I mean, I had a friend who was a magician and he had this incredible trick where he would pull things out of nowhere. He would pull cards out of people's hands without putting cards into their hands. He, would, he, he was a magician in every sense of the word. You could never quite know how he'd done it. He had this wonderful trick with a balloon animal, and I can't remember exactly how it worked, but he'd put the animal in the bag and squash it and poke it with pins and he'd pull it out whole. It was incredible. But the thing is, I know that his tricks went supernatural. They were prepared. They were a prepared trick that he'd carefully thought out in advance. He'd carefully planned it. He'd carefully placed it. He'd carefully prepared it. I wasn't sure how he did it, I still don't know. But that's not the point. The point is some things require a lot of preparation. So welcome to another fantastic episode of Feed the Fish. And the story today is really the story about preaching without notes. Now, you might think, oh, that's boring, and tune out immediately, but who cares? Um, because I think this is a really useful skill uh, to speak without notes, to speak without anything in front of you, off the top of your head, and not say insane and crazy things is always a good skill to have. I think the first thing you need to know is that this is a skill you actually exercise all the time. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Matt, I, I don't exercise this skill all the time. I do not speak to people all the time without notes. You do. You say, not in public, you do. Think about every conversation you have with someone. You you ask them how they are, they respond, you respond back, you, you make something up based on your experiences, and you reply, uh, maybe you've been reading a book, maybe you've got some material that you've been working on and that becomes fodder for your conversation, and maybe you've just been reading a really great science fiction book or a fantasy novel or a biography or a history book and, and you saw something that was particularly interesting. Maybe you just went to the movies and you've watched a recent Marvel movie. Uh, you've watched one of the big, I don't know, James Bond movies that's just come out. You watched Dune, and maybe you finally got round to it after I'd recommended it, and you thought, oh, I've got to see it. Or maybe you went even before then, and, and now you've got this as conversation for you. So you've got your source material, and you prepare something. You, you don't really prepare it, I suppose, for a conversation. You just speak out the top of your head. But that's how you do it. You have this idea of where you want to go, what you want to do, how you want to do it, and you go for it. You go for it. Kind of like how I do this podcast, I suppose. So I don't have notes in front of me, I don't have an outline, I don't have a script, I have garage band and a microphone. I also have a pair of headphones so I can hear myself, but that's it. That's my preparation. I sit down every week and I think, what what would I like to share this week? What's the fact? What's the what's the thing? And that's, for example, why I'm always a bit slow on the facts, because I've actually got to look them up in the middle of it. I realize I should probably do that surreptitiously in the background. Preparation, you see. It's all about preparation. But you see, here's the thing. Preaching without notes requires a lot of preparation. And so I decided this was something I wanted to do. And the reason why I wanted to do it is because to preach without notes isn't sort of some kind of magical experience, it's not. It's a very different sort of work preparing it to writing a full text. So I'm used to walking up with a full text in front of me. And I'm used to preparing that in the week. Uh, normally my process is about a two week process. So 
the week before I preach, I'll often have a text in mind. I'll have a look at that. I'll read it through. I'll study it. And I'll just think about kind of what are the main points of that text? What jumps out of me? What are the repeated words? What are the repeated phrases? Uh, what is significant? What is not significant? What's, what is a connection that I can make to another part of the scriptures? And I'll have those kinds of thoughts in my mind. And I'll rattle around a bit. And I'll do that for about a week. And the second week, I'll start reading commentaries. And I'll, I'll have a look at what experts say. And I'll write that down. And it, it, that'll inform my process. And then normally by the Monday, quite early, I know. But normally by the Monday, I'm ready to go. And I write. I, I put the whole thing down from start to finish. I don't do drafts. I put the entire fully formed thing down on paper. And I'll edit it once or twice as I go, but that's it. It's just a flow of consciousness onto the page, in and out. And and that's why I spend that week before just processing and turning it over. Could I do it faster? I probably could. Could I do it more efficiently? I Maybe, I'm not sure. Because to be honest, the, the speed at which I'm able to write it is only because of the time I spend chewing it over. I suppose I could chew it over faster and to turn it out faster but I might need more revision I don't know point being I wanted to preach without notes I wanted to preach without doing that I wanted the experience of a different kind of preparation um, I wanted the experience of being able to preach as if I was a congregant <laughs> that's a bit of a weird thing to say um, when you preach it's very easy to feel like you're up there in front everyone else is down there listening to you now that's actually a pretty hard thing to do in my church in my old church there was this pulpit that literally clung on the side of the building and it was kind of sort of almost like a mezzanine level up it was pretty high and you really did feel like you were sort of speaking from heaven in my current church you preach from the floor there's a little sort of music stand thing in front of you and you preach from the floor with the people and you're right there amongst them and so the chairs are even curved around you to a bit of an extent, so you really are speaking with people at your level. I mean, the only difference is you're standing there sitting, but I suppose. It's pretty close. It's about as close as you can get. And when you do that, it's still kind of hard to work out who you are and who they are. And <laughs> I suppose when you're preaching, you're, you're concerned with your message. When you're preaching, you've got something to say. You've got scripture in front of you have the word of God to teach and you're up there to do that you're not there to kind of second guess and wonder you know who's doing what and why and how you're, you're there to preach God's word you're there to take it and preach it and apply it to people's lives because that's what's important but when you do that when you are actually doing that then it's important to kind of have people track with you and when you're a preacher with full notes in front of you you're automatically making yourself very very different to your listeners because if this was college, maybe if as a lecturer you'd have a full script, but you'd also give your students some notes to follow along. I had one lecturer um, who was a very old lecturer. He came in as a sort of a special, a special thing. He came in as a as an arrangement. He was an older, retired minister who had great experience in this particular area, and he came in to lecture us. And he said to us. I will be giving you no notes. You will listen to what I have to say, and you'll write your own notes. And if you do write your own notes, you'll be fine. And if you don't write your own notes, 
you'll fail. He said it a bit more kindly, he was a minister after all, but he was tough to follow. Goodness gracious, that was a tough course. Because he just had this flow of consciousness, this flow of information, this detailed, packed thing that he had to say. And he'd even, even more impressively, he'd memorized all of this. But what he'd done is give himself an advantage over all of us that we just couldn't compete with. He knew his content way better than any of us. He was lecturing it. He'd had time in his study to himself to think these things over. Now, we hadn't had that. We were here for the first time listening to these deep truths and grappling to wonder which one do we write down and which one is going to be on the final exam. It was a bit of a challenging thing, but you know what? When, when I preach, when I have that full manuscript in front of me, I'm giving my audience that same disadvantage. I'm giving the congregation that same disadvantage. Now, to be fair, there's something to be said for preaching with a full manuscript. I enjoy it. I think it's helpful for me to preach with a lot of stuff in front of me. It means that I've got content to get through. I think one of the worries of not having content in front of you is that you pad, you add, you distract from your main message. You get confusing. Uh, because you get repetitive, um, you, you just keep repeating yourself again and again and again and again. And if I don't belab- if I don't stop myself from belaboring the point, I'll repeat myself at this point. But but that's how it's done. And so what happens is your audience, your congregation, are trying to follow what you've got to say, hopefully. And while they're trying to track with you, you've got this really complicated, detailed, well thought out, and carefully prepared sermon in front of you and they've got their ears and they're hanging on for dear life a bit savage which is why i think to do a bit of a middle ground would be a good practice run for me i think it would be healthy for me i think it would be healthy for the congregation for those following along with me so that's what i did i had an opportunity to preach just this past week and so when i was preparing for that i decided you know what i'm i'm not going to go and take full manuscript with me. I did take some notes. I had an outline with me. I had some bullet points kind of indicating first of all my main points and then I had some sort of sub points and off that with some lists. I think my passage my passage was Titus chapter 3 and it had quite a few little list sort of items. There was one section where it talked about malice and envy. Hating one another and being hated. Sort of savage start I know. And it had some other things like kindness and love and God our Savior important concepts that all I, I listed all of those and I had those in my notes not so I could read the list verbatim because that's just not a good way to do it but so that I had those on hand I was able to pull them out when I was preaching when I was talking about how do we apply this to our lives what challenges us in this text I was able to look at that I was able to to go from there and that was helpful uh, what were the weaknesses of it? I think that's always a good question to ask. You know, what worked well? I think I felt very free. I felt comfortable to preach. I, you know, I actually prepared a long time for this. So knowing, even in college, that this was something that I did want to do. I wanted to try and do a sermon without notes, without a full manuscript. I started to prepare by, first of all, doing every single youth talk that I did over the past two years this way. So I haven't brought a full text in for those. Every single Bible study that I've led, I've only had a couple of notes to the side. I've had my main points, but I've been doing an outline. So I have had a chance in sort of smaller group settings 
uh, to go through a talk in this way. And that's prepared me for this so that I don't waffle like mad. Also, kids are savages. If they see you waffling at all, they'll they'll literally yawn to your face. Or, I mean, these days with masks and all, you can't actually see that they're yawning. You just see their eyes rolling and you're like, oh dear, I've, I've overstepped. I should immediately hurry up. In any case, so I'd prepared for that, I'd planned for that, and I'd prepared. But what didn't work? Uh, what didn't work? Well, I think most of it did. I think it was actually quite a success, if I say so myself. I think it was a success because I was clearer than I normally am. I was able to get good eye contact, but that's normally something that I generally feel I'm alright at. Uh, but I think one of the areas where I can improve is in terms of structure. I think it was a bit harder for people to kind of work out where the lines between my points were. I still had the outline, they didn't have that. I think one of the other things is that my preparation was very, very different, and that's something that'll inform me, even if I do preach with more of a manuscript sometimes and less of a manuscript at other times. I think to, to prepare a speech you or to prepare a sermon or whatever it is first of all you need to really know your content and I think that was something so important to me as I went into this sermon I really had to know my passage I had to think about it I mean I actually had a call so I had a call with um, Daniel Gilman from the Center for Public Speaking about this uh, it was a sort of follow-up to a webinar that he gave and while we were chatting we were talking about preaching without notes and he gave me some tips on that, which was exceptionally helpful. It came at just the right time. We had a staff meeting. I was told I was going to preach the next Tuesday, which was the next day. He said to me, oh, Daniel said to me, don't you want to go for some coaching? And I was keen. Why not? I mean, who says no to that kind of thing? It's learning experience. Learning is always good. And so anyway, I said, you know what? I know what we can talk about here, knowing full well that I was planning to preach with fewer notes in front of me. And I think some of the stuff that he said was exceptionally helpful. So, but but back to points. So one of the things he, Daniel said to me was that you should do this thing called chunking for your speech. You need to know your, your passage. You need to know your material really well. And then you need to chunk it into points. You need to kind of categorize it. You need to put, you know, if you've got a sheet of items in front of you and you've got some reds and yellows and blacks and whites and cows and ducks and geese and sheep and blues and blacks and greens and you know seas and crabs and anemones you could try and remember that whole list off the top of your head or you could group it and go oh some are sea animals some are colors some are places some are whatever's I mean I just made that list up as I talked but you get the point what you do to remember a list what you do to remember a sermon or speech is you chunk it into these sections and so when you do that, that helps you get clarity. It helps you to be clearer when you're speaking. Uh, one of the things that I found challenging, though, was to really draw those lines clearly. It's important when you get to the end of one point and the beginning of a next to actually say, I'm done now with this point. We can move on. You need to signpost it in some way. I like to call this signposting because it's not always as simple as standing up in the middle of the road and saying we are now turning onto the R44 please keep your seat belts on and your arms and legs inside the vehicle 
no, it's not so simple as that. Sometimes a signpost might be that as you speak, it's almost as if you come to a fork in the road and you can tell that you've now changed tack. Uh, maybe it is as blatant as a sign saying you have come to the R44. Um, maybe, maybe it's an announcement of some kind where you use an illustration to, to change tack, to change gear, to recap. But overall, I think this was a good experience. It was a good opportunity for me to learn some things about uh, delivery, to learn some things about preparation. It was a very different style. I'm not, so I think I prepared uh, by really getting to know that text really, really well so that I could actually have something to say. I think that's one of the things when you have notes, you draw on your notes for material. When you don't have notes, you have to have that material in you already. It's got to have been absorbed already. It's got to have gone in. You have to know it and so to prepare for this I think I spent a lot more time in the text just learning it understanding it reading it again and again and again uh, to an extent and in in a way that I don't normally because I have those notes there I don't need to always remember the little tidbits the little facts the little interesting stories the little interesting connections because it's always in front of me but I really had to pick out what what the most salient points were and choose those. So overall, a good experience and I think something that you should try. Uh, I don't suggest just walking into your local church and hopping up to the pulpit. It might be a bit rough, but what I do suggest is something fun. Do try something like uh, speaking perhaps at work without some notes, perhaps get an outline give it a try try in an informal context first even even in your conversations give this a go give this a bit of a practice come up with a topic uh, prepare for it <laughs> you know use your friends poor friends and <laughs> give a go give it give it a bit of a go try and have a conversation with them about a topic that you've prepared and that they're interested in normally this works better if your friend is going back and forth with you and, and that's what really makes it unfair here is that friends help you when you're doing it when you're having a conversation with a friend and you've got a topic in mind and you're talking about that typically your friend will bounce back and give you questions and ask you things or say things or give their own input and their own advice their own their own take on things and when you're doing a sermon it's a monologue it's really not a response in that kind of way it's it's just you say it and it just goes into the crowd and dissipates and so you've really got to rely that it's going to land right well what next i think we need a fact and the fact for this week is a simple fact it's a fact that beatrix potter who had some really interesting animal names uh, like peter rabbit or mr mcgregor or jeremiah fisher mr nutkins mrs tiggywinkles actually i think mrs tiggywinkles is an exception but many of them were actually names almost lifted from the gravestones in Brompton Cemetery near where she grew up. So there was the cemetery and there were all these tombstones and these tombstones have these really unique names on them and she used these names <laughs> to almost draw these onto the environment that she was in and to describe the rabbits and the hedgehogs and the deer and the wildlife around her and tell her stories. So a good example of good use of the material around you creativity doesn't always have to be out of nothing creativity can be 
you know, curatorship of what you see and experience and using that to create something new and interesting. So what do I recommend? Well, having talked about Beatrix Potter, it would be really a miss not to talk about Peter Rabbit. So first of all, go and read the books. They're lovely and delightful and beautifully illustrated. And second, uh, go and watch the Peter Rabbit movies. Uh, they are in some ways like the books and in some ways their own stories. And you know what, that's quite alright. These are delightful. I find I quite like book movies and I quite like recommending book movies uh, when they're done well. These are done well. Now, the first one is a lovely tale of Peter and the rabbits in the countryside and the second is a tale with a few more capers but equally as much fun. I highly recommend it and I think you'll enjoy it if you like Peter Rabbit and a good bit of fun. In any case, um, the trailers are as hysterical as the movies themselves, so watch the trailers if that amuses you. Well then, you know, the movies are a good hour and a half of the same kind of good stuff where that came from. In the, any case, have a fantastic week, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Feed the Fish.